Welcome to the Writer Centre Stage podcast, where I chat to authors to get writerly advice and insights into their writing habits. Hey friends, and welcome back to the interview podcast. Today I have with me fantasy author Whitney Magruder. So Whitney, thank you so much for being here with me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You are so welcome. So first of all, tell us a little bit about yourself and the books that you have at the moment. All right, so I'm Whitney Magruder, and I am a self-published indie author. I'm from, I'm from America, I guess you can tell that <laughs> from my beautiful accent. And yeah, my, I'm working on a series called the Destiny Seeker series. And long story short, it was a very fun hobby that I had as a middle schooler. So when I was around 12, 13 years old, and what was just like a fun hobby, just like a fun writing project became um, this novel series. It eventually, um, it started out as just one big book, and then I was like, no one's going to read all of this. This is too long. It's an epic fantasy, and it's epic for a reason, because it's just so long. So it's a duology instead. So I published the first one uh, two years ago called um, Destiny Seeker, The Messenger. And right now I'm working on the sequel called Destiny Seeker, The Defender. It's very high fantasy. It's like basically all of the fun high fantasy things I liked as a kid has just been like put in one book series. (laughs) It's been two years since you published your book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I literally feel like I only bought it the other day, but I know I pre-ordered it. How has it been two years? (laughs) Um, time. <laughs> it's, some, wow. yeah, it's, it's crazy that it's been so long. And I, yeah, when, when you have spent, when you spend so much time researching, like how does the publishing process work? Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy how it's been that long, but also it feels so short. Like it feels like I did it two months ago. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, and that in of itself was also an adventure because, in the process of me trying to understand like how pre-orders work, I like accidentally self-published two months early. So it was like, uh, everyone please buy my book now instead of yeah. August. <laughs> so I've been taking all of those just like really fun experiences and memories and helping me get through this process, which I don't know how much of it is really relevant because like at the time of recording, like we're in a global pandemic. And so I've definitely been taking my time with the process, especially with um, the editing phase. I feel like I've definitely, (laughs) I've been taking my time to make sure that when it comes out, I'm like, this is good. This is a good conclusion. Yeah, no. Well, I, for one, I'm excited for book two. Um, Thank you. (laughs) So your first question is, when did you realize you wanted to be a writer? That's a good question. I, I feel like if I were to kind of put to words what happened over like a long time, uh, I would say it was just like a feeling I had as a reader, because I definitely read high fantasy or fantasy novels as a kid. I just reached a point where I was like, I could do this, I think. Like, I definitely want to try. And so, um, yeah, definitely uh, was inspired by a lot of fairy tale retellings that I enjoyed. And I was like, okay, I can definitely do this, like a retelling, because um, basically the structure is there. I'm just putting my own spin on it. But I, I feel like overall, 
it was just having the gumption of thinking like, oh yeah, I could do this. But like as a kid, not realizing uh, how long of a process it is and how much work it takes. But, um, but then I, when I was in college, I think that's when I decided like, I'm going to be a published writer not just like a writer, if that makes sense. I was like, uh, I studied English and editing um, and I basically put in all my effort to figure out what was going on. And at that time, that was when ebooks were starting to be a thing and people were like, oh, is this the end of libraries? Is this the end of the printed book? Like, and it was just like an exciting time to just be like, let's just learn everything and try everything for sure. Yeah, no, I love that. And um, so what made you choose self-publishing? Um, <laughs> well, I think it was mainly just after trying to solicit and go the traditional route for a couple years. I think I realized that my book, especially just like the plot structure, it felt like it was more conducive for self-publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I realize it's kind of harder to sell epic fantasies right now, just because right now it's, it's especially with young adult, it kind of feels like it needs to be short and punchy mm-hmm. um, to sell the first book so that you can sell a trilogy. And um, there's nothing wrong with those. I personally do enjoy like uh, the young adult fiction that's coming out right now. But I think it was also just watching friends like you and other people in the community who just decided to put put themselves out there and give it a shot. And I guess just especially like uh, wanting to be a writer for so long and constantly having this New Year's resolution of like, I'm going to get an agent, I'm going to get published, I'm going to like do these things. I was like, oh, I can just do this myself. Like, again, it's going to take so much work, but I can, I can set more constructive or just more concrete goals about like, okay, this year I'm going to like hire a formatter or hire a book cover artist, or like, I'm going to learn about whether I want to go with Amazon or with um, Kobo or other platforms. Like it, it felt like I had more control and I was like, this, this seems like the best project to, to learn everything I can about self-publishing. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, for me personally, I really like the fact that self-publishing, you have so much control. You decide what the cover is, when it's going to go live, when the pre-order starts, what's in the book, what's in the back of the book. I just, I love the control. And I think if I had that taken away from me, I probably would hate it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would just be like okay no one's gonna read this book it's just gonna be in my heart and that's it <laughs> but would you ever consider going traditional I think I would especially if I had a project in mind that I knew was like very easy to market I feel like it's um I I, I feel like each project is different and I um I don't think I know very many people who do a mix of both but I definitely wouldn't be like, oh, I'm, I'm fully converted to this or, you know, converted to that. I think if I were to go traditional, which would mean that I would have to get an agent and, and succeed in that way. um, I feel like I would still try to um, make sure that I was going with someone who's probably like a little bit more hybrid somewhere where it's a little bit more control. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, um, I don't think I'm really in the publishing industry necessarily to be famous or to make a lot of money. 
Um, I'm certainly not treating it that way right now because I have a full-time job and all my indie stuff is just like things I do with whatever time is left in the day. Mm-hmm. So I know like I would have more time for, yeah, for like really like cranking up sales and stuff if I treated it like a full-time job. But um, yeah, to to go back to your initial question, um, yeah, I, I feel like if you as a writer know like I know that this is very marketable. Like I know kind of like the right keywords to say. Um, if you're paying attention to what is selling right now, then I think you have a chance. And I definitely would still recommend people trying to solicit first, because even if you don't solicit, I think you still learn a lot about marketing and talking about yourself. That is still beneficial if you self-publish. Yeah, no, I like that. Um, so what is your typical writing routine like? Are you an early bird, a night owl, somewhere in between? Yeah, it's definitely um, more of just like lunch breaks and 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 night owl type things where, yeah, that's, that's when I'm usually done for the day and I can like <laughs> start all the other things that I have on my mind. But um, I'm definitely, I, I mean, I'm not writing every day right now because I'm in the, I'm working on some beta reader edits right now. And I'm like, I just want to like bulldoze through that and not (laughs) be distracted. Um, Especially once you have like the energy to go through edits, you're like, you just got to do it before you lose steam. Mm -hmm. But um, when I'm in the writing phase, I generally um, participate in things like NaNoWriMo or I, um, yeah, I, I try to set weekly goals um, cause that just works for my schedule and for my sanity. But yeah, I tend to, uh, yeah, really find my groove when it's, yeah, when I'm done with work and I've had dinner and all those kind of things. Cool. Uh, so what, what sort of tools and stuff do you use to write? Are you a Scrivener person? Do you write in Word? What, what sort of things do you use? Right. Um, I know the basics of Scrivener and so I tend to write in Scrivener and edit in Word, and then put it back into Scrivener, which I know is kind of like long, but it makes sense to me. So, um, I mean, I definitely started off using Word, and then once once I got like a great discount from being a NaNoWriMo winner, I switched over to Scrivener. It is very helpful with organizing and plotting and moving things around. And so, yeah, I'm still learning about all of the the secrets, I guess. But yeah. yeah, luckily there's a lot of helpful blog posts out there about people just kind of sharing like how they use it. But yeah, I, I tend to use those tools. Um, I also have lots of notes on my phone whenever I'm at work and I should be focusing on other things, but I'm like, oh, like that would be so good if this character did this. And so I've got lots of notes like that scattered around. Yeah, I think every writer has notes like that scattered around. <laughs> yeah, mainly because when when you have the time to write, you're like, oh man, I'd rather watch like whatever is on Netflix. And then when mm-hmm. you're at work, you're like, oh, I'd rather just um, write and do fun things. Yeah, I always find that my best ideas come to me in the shower. Mm-hmm. Um, so my friend who runs her own business, she has just read, recommended to me um someone for Christmas bought her a notepad that you can put in the shower 
and you can actually write on it in there. And I was like, that would be perfect for me because all I do at the moment is I shout at the top of my lungs for my husband who then comes into the bathroom and I'm like, write this idea down. <laughs> Just exactly how I say it. Do not ask for any other context because it will not, like, it will take too long. Just... Yeah, exactly. I'm like, just write this down and send it to me in a text message and then go away. <laughs> yeah, I feel like... Um... If that's not a thing, that really needs to be a thing for writers because I, I feel like I'm the same way. That or like right before I'm asleep, I feel like I get really interesting ideas. And I always tell myself, I'm like, uh, I'll, if it's important, I'll remember tomorrow, which I never do. <laughs> not like it wasn't important. It's just that I am not good at remembering things like that. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure because I've heard it like both ways so I can't remember which one James Patterson said but he said one or the other so it was either don't try and remember everything because you won't like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how good it is or how much you think I'm gonna remember it the second you get distracted or you go to sleep or you focus on something else the idea that you had will literally go away so you need to write it down (laughs) (laughs) I mean I am definitely pro just writing everything down because even if Mm -hmm. you decide not to use it you can either use it for another book or just be like, well, here's proof that I'm, I'm getting somewhere, you know, because, um, usually for me, it's just snippets of dialogue. Like, Oh, that's such a sick burn, you know, like, like what a clever witty thing to say. And, um, so it's not necessarily like, it's not like those words need to go down, but maybe like that's the direction, the conversation, the dialogue needs to go. Um, and, and as a, loud and proud pantser like that's just how it is or I'm like where will this go it could it's a mystery oh that's interesting so do you not write outlines at all I do write outlines um they're just very basic so like when I start out a book I have just like major dots I just don't do a good job of connecting them (laughs) and I know (laughs) and and it just basically means that I'm stuck in edits um a lot more if mm-hmm. it just means like um, I'm dealing with plot holes, which sometimes they they work out, and then sometimes I have to cut stuff. But um, I'm I'm also an editor at heart, and so I'm like I, I definitely try to practice what I preach when it comes to yeah. like letting things go that aren't important anymore. And especially when you're doing high fantasy, you're like, well, I wrote myself in a corner about these magic rules, so I either need to change them or know that the readers are going to see that and be upset with me. (laughs) Yeah. Magic systems suck, but they're also amazing. But trying to create one and stick to the rules that you've created is like, oh, but I just need magic to do this, but I can't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it definitely leads to a lot of, um, like my, my beta readers and my husband, who's, who's also like a writer and editor, like they give me lots of great advice. So if anything, it, it meant that I, the, a lot of what I write, it makes sense to me. And now mm-hmm. I get to help it make sense to other people. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm still like really cool. I still got this. And other times I'm like, maybe this is just something that belongs in another book. You know, mm-hmm. you can't like super pump every idea you have into one book or else. Um, yeah, maybe you'll have a hard time figuring out what to write next once you're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the next question is, have you made any mistakes and how did you learn from them? Have I made any mistakes? Um, yes. <laughs> I, mean, I already told you. 
already told you. Um, I think this was, yeah, I yeah, publishing early um, was crazy. Um, I think also um, another mistake I made. Speaking of editing, um, I I remember when I decided to go self-publishing, and I felt kind of like, well, now I can publish whenever I want. Um, I I set a date, and I I feel like I I met a lot of my goals as far as like, okay, well, this is how I want to do uh, my marketing. This is how I want to like gradually build up the hype for my book. Um, but um, that's all like the fun stuff that happens once the manuscript is done. When I um, when I had my finished manuscript, I was um, I was like. Okay, I've been working on this for nearly two decades. I'm done working on it. Like, like hands up chefs, like we're done. And I definitely skipped over the beta reading phase, which mm -hmm. like I have since repented from, like I did a second edition to kind of fix some things, but a lot of the feedback I got in reviews were definitely things that I could have fixed in that phase. And so yeah. like, that's why I am spending a lot of precious time now so that I don't kind of, I don't want to go through that again, where it's like, what do you mean there are too many characters? This is an epic fantasy. Like, isn't that not what everyone likes, you know? But um, I mean, part of it was trying to figure out which, which pieces of feedback were actually helpful and which mm -hmm. were just like, I didn't connect with my correct um, target audience, but um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I, I spent all this time just like revamping, reorganizing, editing. I, I thought that my eyes were crossed. I was like, there's nothing left for me to do, but um, I think regardless of how long you worked on a manuscript, um, getting that feedback before you release your book is so important because um, because what I was suffering from was like having the book being stuck in my head for so long that everything made sense to me. And so um, when people are like, who is this person? Uh, or like, what is, what is our motive? I'm like, don't you know? Like, <laughs> it, <laughs> um, and um, I, I didn't really go back and fix most of the plot things because I've, I kind of felt like, well, this is, this is the natural consequence of publishing something before getting that feedback. But I definitely, uh, you know, wrote a note to myself, like definitely ask for this feedback before you, you know, spend time and money and effort on the marketing aspects. Yeah. But I'm certainly glad that happened with my first book. I feel like a lot of times we were kind of straddling between, you know, um, letting your first book just be like your first attempt at understanding how to be a writer and how to be a published writer. And sometimes we feel like, oh, well, if we, if we flop on our first book, like our reputation is tarnished, like we can never rise from that. But I feel like we see a lot of examples of people overcoming both of those things. Like mm -hmm. I'm still a writer. I, I'm still committed to like finishing the series as well as writing other awesome books, other, you know, series and things like that. And so, um, even though like I learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes, like I'm at least learning not, 
like how to, how to not quit and just keep going, especially because this is an important uh, goal and passion of mine. Yeah, definitely. And it also like those kind of mistakes also teach you things and then it makes the process for your next book better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the things that's great about being self-published is you can always go back and fix it because you don't, you know, you can't do that with a traditional publisher. If it flops, it flops. That's it. You're done. Whereas (laughs) with a self-published book, you can go, okay, well, let me take it down and I'll redo it and then I'll put it back up. Right. I definitely did a few revisions like that or just silently just like sneaking in some proofreading changes. Yeah. (laughs) I had to also change the name of the character. Um, That was a whole other thing (laughs) that really confused one of my beta readers because she was like, "Um, the princess's name was completely different. And I'm like, you missed a lot of drama. I mean, and that was I mean, because I had learned about all those things two years ago, this, this change, like it didn't phase me at all. I was like, okay, well I can't fix it now because I'm literally at my job, but once I get home, I can fix this because I've done many fixes before and I can do (laughs) another one. It was mainly a sensitivity thing. Um, I had a character named Princess uh, Karachi and that's a place in Pakistan and, um, a good author friend of mine who is Muslim, she explained to me that I had to get written permission to use that name, otherwise I could get into legal trouble. And I was like, I would rather not deal with that. Like, yeah. I'm not too tied to that name um, at all. And so I came up with uh, a more suitable name. I did, you know, that find and replace. And now when people buy the book, that name isn't there and it's fine. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But you find and replace is so good for names. Uh-huh. Sorry, what? Find and replace is so good for names. Honestly, I've um, <laughs> I recently changed a, 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 a character's name in my my book, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh my god, like this name is mentioned a thousand times in this like <laughs> seventy chapter book. I'm like, Mm-mm. find name replace done. You're like, and how many days can we turn into pronouns so that um, it doesn't seem like? <laughs> yeah, honestly, I yeah. was like, how? Imagine if you had to do that like individually, one by one. Like that would have just taken so long. Find and replace is my friend with that. Yes, oh, for sure. Yeah, I feel mm-hmm. like if I were to go through all that effort, I'd be like, well, let's just proofread along the way so that I don't have to do this again. But yes. yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I think as an author, you learn how to like build up, build up and, and tweak your ego a bit where mm-hmm. you're like, I want to be proud of who I am and what I do, but also be open and humble to how I can be better. Um, especially, you know, now there's a lot of conversation about having more uh, inclusion. I mean, I feel like that's been a thing for the past five or 10 years, but you know, how can we as authors be more inclusive and, um, and be more fair with our characters so that um, everyone kind of sees themselves as a complex character and not like a cardboard cutout. And yes. so I, I feel like if, if you can listen to that kind of feedback and be like, that's great. No one's telling me not to write. They're just telling me how I can be better Then mm-hmm. it really does wonders for your projects. Yeah, no, I love that. That's great advice as well. So any aspiring writer that's listening to this has just got an absolute jam out of you. (laughs) (laughs) I do what I can. 
<laughs> uh, so final question is, what are you working on at the moment? All right, yeah, what I am working on in the moment is, um, like I mentioned, my sequel is mm -hmm. called Destiny Seeker, The Defender. It's basically part two of that huge manuscript that I initially worked on. And so right now what I'm working on is just rather than making it like part two is in like when you see a play and you go to the intermission and then there's just the other half of the play, mm -hmm. um, I'm working on making it just, it's a separate book, like how you would um, structure a, any other duology or trilogy. And so that's been fun, just making sure that I'm like, now you remember this person, they did all these crazy things in the first one. Now we're all back up to speed. Um, so I'm kind of making those sorts of edits. Um, it's actually been really fun. Um, I thought I was going to be really frustrated just like carrying all the, the stuff that I carried with the first book. But I feel like with this one, um, yeah, it's been so much more enjoyable just like, um, yeah, getting all of that input and also getting input from people who there, there's just something magical about someone giving you feedback because they love your book series. Um, because you're like, they want me to succeed. They like what I wrote, which is like a miracle and a half. Um, and it definitely gives me the motivation to keep working because I know at least two people, uh, now three people, including you, <laughs> who like, are like, I want to read it. Like, please finish it, you know? Yes. Um, I'm also working on a novella called Speechless. It's a fairy tale retelling. And it's mainly meant to be kind of uh, like a freebie for my newsletter. Yeah. Word on the street is that you have to have something nice for people to feel incentivized to sign up for your newsletter. Yeah. And so yep. it's meant to be something for my current and future newsletter subscribers. But it's just a fun modern fairy tale retelling of the wild swans. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it's. It's a fun project. My main character um, is cursed and she can't speak or else her brothers will turn into swans. That's kind of the, the main premise of the wild swans. But my character is smart and she found a loophole and she's learning sign language rather than like staying mute until she figures out how to defeat this curse. I personally do not speak or know sign language, but I'm definitely, incorporating a lot of help and a lot of feedback from people who do um, mm -hmm. because I feel like that's something that I mean I, I've always thought like yeah there's there's lots of crazy loopholes and in, in fairy tales and I wish that our heroines took advantage of that and so yeah that's kind of what I'm working on it's it's not high fantasy so that's um, a little bit of departure for me but there's still lots of magic involved no, I like that. And I think, I don't think that has been done in a lot of books, especially not in any of the books that I've read anyway. Um, but it kind of reminded right. me of um, Rochelle Mead's book. She did a book where um, all of the, I think all of the characters were like deaf or something. So okay. none of them could speak. So I think they did something similar. I'm not it sure if it was... Like they like yeah. create their own way of communicating, right? Yeah, I can't remember if it was sign language or if it was like some weird telepathic 
communication but it was it was a really interesting book and for for someone who i read predominantly fantasy books sometimes i'll delve into like a little contemporary romance if i feel like i need a palette cleanse but it was right yes <laughs> something easy light on the brain <laughs> yes but yeah sometimes it was just need like a really quick and easy romance of just being like oh yes that was so yummy like <laughs> yeah yeah before you dive into a big epic trilogy that's going to take like forever to read because with a muggle job I don't get a lot of time to read yes and with covid cancelling my honeymoon it meant that the seven books I planned to read on it didn't get read oh my gosh <laughs> that is wow I feel so bad because <laughs> I'm definitely that kind of person where if I'm on vacation I'm like no like the itinerary is getting through like I'm catching up on my kindle reads for sure mm -hmm. yeah so. yeah that to be fair that's the only reason why I bought a kindle so that I could take like a hundred books with me on holiday. <laughs> I was definitely that kid that like had the heavy backpack that had like four books and I was going to get the maybe one, mm -hmm. but I was like, no, you gotta, you gotta be safe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Leave like your hairbrush at home or whatever else. Like those things can be replaced, but not, not, the, not these books. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. So that is the end of the interview. So thank you so much for being here with me today. It's been lovely to have you. Thank you for having me. It was so much fun. And I will look forward to the release of your second book and I'll probably have you on again in a couple of years when you've got some more books out. Awesome. Yeah, I would love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. Thank you. This was the Writer Centre Stage podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you have any suggestions on who you'd like to see on the show, pop them in the comments below.